1: Or perhaps you're just overwhelmed with all of the editing work. Well, we can help you with that also.
0: You can check out our website at weknowpodcasting.com for more information.
1: We're excited to help your podcasting dreams become a reality.
0: This week, we're joined by Wingman Steve of the High School Never Ends podcast to discuss spirituality, poetic lyrics, and bands with bizarre names. Thankfully, Dishwalla's Counting Blue Cards combines all three of these elements. We dive into the lyrics in the band's back catalog to determine if we actually want Dishwalla's Thoughts on God.
1: He questions, like do. He said, Tell me oh, your thoughts on God. One hit is all you need to make the money guaranteed
2: and you can live off royalties forever and it makes me wonder is it
0: just a wonder or is it Right, so tell me all your thoughts on God, Steve. That's quite a way to to start here. Uh,
2: <laughs> I don't know if I was prepared for Isn't my actual most, thoughts on that's God. That's the most
0: important thing we got to get into here now. This is a totally theology and religion podcast for today.
2: I didn't realize we were going to get so spiritual, but <laughs> yeah. I guess I could tell a little bit about my thoughts on God, if sure. you want me to. Sure, yeah, let's get into it. <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm not. No, we don't have to get into
0: it, Steve. We don't have to get into it. Okay. We don't, we don't have to go down that road. We, we can go down that road a little bit. I feel like we're, we're inevitably going to have to. But isn't that what everyone thinks about when they think of Dishwalla is that line? That's what this is all about, right?
1: I feel like they certainly don't think Counting Blue Cars, which is like the least marketable title for this song. Yeah, what's
0: up with the title of this song?
1: I mean, it is, <laughs> it is one lyric in
0: the song, but is there anyone who doesn't think of this song as tell me all your thoughts on God. It's Uh, the
2: tell me all your thoughts on God song. Or to me, it's like the, it's the like God might be a woman song, you know? Yeah.
0: I mean, Ariana Grande has a song, God is a woman now, and people aren't making death threats to her. Well, maybe they are. I don't know. I didn't really look into that, but I didn't know that that was such a controversy about that song. We can get into that right now because that is so ridiculous in the research of this. So first of all, I thought maybe there was a chance based off of the overall sound of this band and the dude's voice and the way the dude looked that this was one of those like crossover Christian bands, you know, like, I don't know, Jars of Clay or something. And I don't think they are. Right. Am I
1: correct in this? Yeah. No, I think that from what I've researched for the band and and I have a couple of their albums, they're definitely like. I'll say that they're a band that doesn't curse. You know what I mean? Now, I've never, as a kid who went to all of the Christian music festivals, no one was ever rocking a Dishwalla shirt. Like, Dishwalla wasn't, like, secretly playing Creation Fest or anything. I think because the name of the band actually comes from, like, a Hindi term, I think that he was just one of those, like, hippie, spiritual dudes in general. Like, I think he probably more than anything was probably like a Buddhist religion. Kind of how what you imagine the spin doctors believe just based on like their overall like dress and attitude of, like... What do you think the Spin Doctors believe, Matt? That's what I'm interested in. I think the Spin
2: Doctors just don't smell good. I don't know what they believe. like,
1: like I feel like the Spin Doctors definitely fell into, like, the Buddhist hippie pile of bands, and I think these guys were just, like, not the hippie part. In
0: reference to what we are talking about here, they make reference to God being a woman in this song, and apparently... The singer of this band received death threats because of that, which I think is so funny because so you're telling me there are people out there not only are super religious, but they are like, no, my God, my God is a man. My God has a penis and testicles. My God fucks. No doubt about it. My God has a big dick. There's, you know, there, people were that angry about that. I I don't even understand that train of thought.
1: I like his quote, too, because he was like, God's supposed to be omnipresent. So, like, why can't God be female? And he's like, I didn't really put much thought into it beyond that. <laughs> could
2: you imagine if that was this year? So I definitely believe that he got death threats because could you, have you ever gone down like a a, tw- a Twitter spiral on any like you know controversial tweet like people believe crazy shit if this was today there would be like hundreds of thousands of retweets about this so there are definitely people that are like fuck no my god fucks i believe that
0: i suppose so i guess i don't know anything matt matt you're the you're the one going to these christian festivals in the 90s apparently so so please explain this to me why people would be mad about that
1: Do you have any because most Christians are the most thin skinned people I've ever encountered like we'll get serious for a quick second so like I can tell you when I started to like back away from religion actually when I was in high school I still liked a lot of the music and I mean we've had some of the members of bands that I loved as a kid on here and like five iron frenzy I think we can all agree. Like, they're a Christian band, but those dudes have way more in common with our political and philosophical beliefs than, like, the people who are going to write death threats about someone calling God a woman. I was, like, in high school, I was looked at by, like, the church parents as, like, Matt Kelly's the kid that, like, all Christian kids should strive to be. And then Damn, they— Damn, yeah. I didn't even know. <laughs> but then they turned on me real hard because my high school was doing, like— national day of silence which is a celebration of like gay voices trapped in the closet and if you support gay rights you choose to not speak for that day and and all this stuff and i participated in that and all of a sudden i was the worst thing that has ever happened to the church and like they like i got so many angry emails from like 30 year old moms were like how dare you support something like gay rights haven't you read your body like it was like damn you got excommunicated (laughs) I got it and that was kind of the moment where I was like I don't know how I feel about this stuff anymore (laughs) well
0: that stuff aside I'm glad you I'm glad you came to the light Matt
1: the way I say it is I didn't need to come to any light I have always felt this way regardless on if I was like Hardcore into the church or not hardcore in the church that people have rights and they deserve to be treated equally. I don't care whether you're a Christian or atheist. If you don't agree with people having basic human rights, then I'm not going to fuck with Well, you. hey,
0: The only thing I say about it and to quote Operation Ivy, all I know is that I don't know nothing. And that's <laughs> that's all there. I think that's that's the only way to look at things is. I don't know what happens when you die (laughs) like maybe these people are right but I don't think so (laughs) I think that (laughs) I think that none of us know and I think whatever whatever it is like
1: I kind of think it's a big nothing (laughs) but it's it's crazy to be that confident about something that nobody knows like that to me is insane in general
2: (laughs) and a lot (laughs) of the people that say that they do know are kind of selling something whether or not it's an (laughs) institution or an item like there's there's a buy-in that they're trying to get from you right 100%. one hundred
0: percent. We I, we got into it pretty quick there, but <laughs> Ditchwalla apparently not a Christian band, not anything like that. So Steve,
2: yes, you chose this song because you're a fan of it. It was hard to pick a song. Uh, you know, we've had some extensive conversations about One Hit Wonders, and I'm thinking, what you know, what what to pick and. Y- it's a big field and you guys have had like 60 episodes. So some of the songs that I had thought of, you have already covered, but so this is a song to me. Like I grew up, I was in like middle school probably when this came out and I was really getting into music. And it's one that's just always like kind of just stuck in your head. And now as you know, a, 30-something dad, you know, when I'm in the car, there's, like, two serious stations that are pretty kid-friendly that I enjoy, which are Pop Rocks and 90s on 9. And so this song is on, like, all the time. It's always on those, like, those two. This is, like, where it lives. I've heard it so many times, and it's a song that's, like, pretty good. And it, like, makes you think. And for me, like, I don't know. I draw this weird connection with, like, the concept of this song. Do you guys know the movie Dogma? with Kevin Smith yeah. movie Dogma. So like Alanis Morris, uh, spoiler spoiler alert from 20 years ago. But Alanis Morissette ends up being God in this movie and I thought that was really fucking cool. And so, yeah, I guess I picked this uh, song because I like Alanis Morissette.
0: Nice. Okay. <laughs> this Dishwalla song. This was earlier in the 90s than I would have remembered. I would have thought this was like later 90s than 90s. Five. this Literally. is
1: this is my favorite era of the 90s honestly like and that was one of my on our facebook page we did the hot takes and i really truly think that the bands that came out in like 94 through like 97 like yeah they're not nirvana they're not you know Soundgarden or, or any of these like big name grunge bands but those are the bands that really left an impression on me were like The not grunge, but, like, alternative rock, like, post-grunge bands were the ones that really left, like, a big impression on me as a kid. This was in
0: Empire Records? Yeah, in the background
1: during a scene. Uh,
0: Okay, yeah, because, I mean, it just seemed so... It seemed like this song would have been, like, 98 or 99. But this song was huge! I also didn't realize this was the most played song of the year on the radio in 1996, like that, two
1: years in a row. It wow. was in 96 and really? 97 the most played song on the how radio. How is that possible? That's how it won the ASCAP for Rock Song of the Year. That's based on how many plays the song gets.
0: I guess every maybe because year. it it fit into so many formats.
1: Like probably it was
0: probably played on rock radio, pop radio,
1: top forty. Yeah, not Christian radio.
0: No, I guess not. No, no, clearly not. That's pretty (laughs) wild. Still, two ASCAP awards for Rock Song of the Year. Both of those years, Matt, they won the, the. How do you win for both of those years? That's pretty crazy. I dug into the catalog a little bit. I don't know. Steve, were you familiar
2: with more of their catalog before this? Or did you have to dive in? This was like a research assignment for me because right. I definitely, once again, like 90s on nine and pop rocks. And, right. you know, in my uh, uh, normally I'm listening to like mostly like pop punk stuff. So uh, to go back and listen to like, you know, 90s grunge, I didn't know much about Dishwalla at all. I didn't know that they had like. Five or six studio albums over the course of the last twenty years. I didn't realize they were still a band. Going back, I I think I was like relatively impressed. You know, you think of counting blue cars and a one hit wonder, and I was kind of like, okay, well they're probably a one hit wonder for a reason. They the rest of it probably sucks. But I think I was I was actually pretty uh, impressed going back and listening to it.
0: That's kind of how I felt too. They had another single from that album called Charlie Brown's Parents, which I actually think is a better song. Like I actually that song rocks a little more and I was like, "Okay, this is cool. This has a lot of cool elements to it." And I could tell these guys do a lot of cool things in their songs. The singer's voice is kind of what he's a very good singer, no doubt about it. But he's just got that tone, that quality to his voice where I would just I would skip it on the radio <laughs> every time. It's just that thing. It's that 90s thing that not quite an Eddie Vedder sound, but somewhere like a very digestible version of Eddie <laughs> Vedder or something like a. But I know that people from Pittsburgh will know what I'm talking about when I say this, but it just seems like this band would be really popular in Pittsburgh. <laughs> and, and I I
1: can't even really explain why. It just seems like, yeah, Walla would be huge in Pittsburgh. I, I'm glad that you called out Charlie Brown's parents because when I was a kid, that was the song that made me buy the album. Like, I liked Counting Blue Cars, but I remember seeing the music video on The Box for Charlie Brown's parents, and I was like, yo, this song is really good. And like, I went out and bought Pet Your Friends. And I even remember when their second album came out, the local radio station playing the lead single Once in a While, like, that's one of those songs where I think I talked about on Semisonic, where like, I couldn't believe that like, Singing in My Sleep wasn't a bigger song. Like, I really can't believe that Once in a While wasn't a bigger song, because I think that that chorus is very earwormy and like kind of gets into your head and, and stays there for a while
2: i remember it i, I did listen to that when it, it it stood out but i wonder like so how would you have like the song of the year for two years in a row how can you not get traction on like the next out the net like the next single you would think like automatically that would give you like some cred or some something i don't know
1: i feel like that also answers itself though because if you win song of the year two years in a row for how often it's played on the radio, people are probably burned the hell out on hearing Dishwalla.
0: Yeah, I that point, Steve, that's exactly what I was thinking is. And, and they seem to have done everything right. They had this enormous song, the most played song on the radio. They have a bunch of other albums. It's not like they didn't release more music. And the music that they released isn't some way off the path of Counting Blue Cars. It's definitely in that same vein. It seems like this band could have had 10 hits that I wouldn't have necessarily cared about that much, but it's very palatable. It seems like something that people in the 90s who had the radio on would have liked. I don't really understand why they didn't have more hits. Why are they a one-hit wonder? They did take a hiatus for a while. The the singer quit, and they, they came back and put out an album in 2017, but... Yeah, they they put out more music. It's a little bit puzzling to me, but maybe you're right, Matt. Maybe it was just oversaturation, too much of a okay thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, like I think that that's like it's it's that fine balance, right? Like you can't. It's something that you and I had talked about before, not on the air, but just like hanging out at your house one day, where I said like, I think it's a lot harder if you're a band that makes it on that first album and you don't have that back catalog to, like, show people that, that you're not, like, a one-trick pony, while you're working on that second album, people are already kind of like, yeah, they probably don't have anything else good. You know what I mean? Like, you need... Like, I think Green Day succeeded because Dookie came out and there was still Kerplunk there for you to be like, all right, I know that they're good because Kerplunk is just as good, if not better, than Dookie. So, like whatever they put out i'm stoked for yeah i'm
2: trying to think of like a way to disprove that off the top of my head but nothing that has like commercial success because i'm (laughs) stuck in i'm thinking like taking back sunday like they their second album came out and they didn't have anything before that first one
1: yeah i think on mainstream radio you really need to to be able to keep people's interest while you're making that second record and the thing i thought was weird with dishwall is before they even had a record contract they were on a pretty massive compilation of Carpenter's covers, that comp is stacked with bands.
0: Back in the day when a comp could change your life, man. A a comp could be the one thing that just sets you off. I mean, in, in the world of punk rock music, definitely, it was such a huge thing, but apparently... It worked for alternative rock as well. I was really surprised. Maybe another thing that helped Dishwalla some. The, The song only peaked at number 15 on the charts. So for being the most played song on the radio and so consistent for so long, it's not like it was like a number one hit single or something. It was more like a adult contemporary jam.
1: Yeah, but we discussed this similarly with Duncan Sheik because like yeah, it was only at 15 on the chart, but then you look and the song was on the chart for 48 straight weeks. Yeah,
0: I'll take that I'll take that over having number 1 for a week or something. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Number 15 for 48 straight or wherever, somewhere on the chart. But when it peaked at number 15, the number 1 and number 3 song were The Macarena and Come on Ride the Train. So maybe that explains that like oh, there's all this like I don't know, song that your grandma's going to dance to at a wedding <laughs> is is what's topping the charts. So this emotional sort of adult contemporary song is kind of – the opposite of that trying to figure out where it came from it's
2: a delicious the song is a, is a delicious vanilla right like I, I love vanilla Va- vanilla whatever yeah. you talk ice cream right vanilla ice cream is delicious and not everybody is going to go order like vanilla at the the ice cream parlor because they're like flashier there's whatever rocky road or you know fudge and marshmallow so that flashy stuff maybe got to the those first 14 or the, at least number one and number three as you had said but dishwala is this this nice vanilla that a lot of people are going to keep consuming for a long time, but it just it doesn't get to that like number one flavor, I
0: guess. <laughs> Let's see what the fudge and the marshmallow were on the charts at this time. Well, it was the uh, Macarena, obviously. The, well,
2: the, the,
0: maybe the fudge was Change the World by Eric Clapton, which was also on the, the charts at that time. Dude, I feel like in recent episodes, we've been talking about Eric Clapton a lot, and the more I research about Eric Clapton, the less I like him. Yeah, <laughs> I found he's not a I, good dude. I find out more and more creepy, terrible stuff about Eric Clapton. Already wasn't a fan of his music, but now I just find out, like racist stuff about him and just like anti lockdown stuff about it like all kind of like weird stuff about him that's just like Damn, Eric Clapton sucks. But that aside, Change the World was on the charts. That song sucks. <laughs> he just wanted to change the world, but he just wanted to make it worse. <laughs> <laughs> he just wanted to make it racist and just spread disease. <laughs> we can't get deep into Eric Clapton right now. But, uh, <laughs> hey, uh, It's Oh So Quiet by Bjork was also uh, right there. Very
2: eclectic. Show. You know, yeah. 1995, 96, so many different things happening in, like, the top of music.
1: Well, and that's like when I was saying that like for me, like the music that I'll take over the early 90s grunge is that 94 through 97 like era of music. Just looking at the songs that were crushing the modern charts at that time, you know, like Chris already mentioned Oh So Quiet by Bjork. But you had like Natalie Merchant Wonder, which I think is a great song. Jim Blossom's Follow You Down, which is a great song. Like The Wallflowers, One Headlight, Salvation by the Cranberries stupid girl by garbage setting sun by chemical brothers. Like modern rock was like this weird, eclectic, not as like in your face and aggressive as the grunge era, but still like just loud enough that your mom's not going to really like it. Like, I just love that whole time period. Except for maybe Natalie Merchant. My mom loved the shit out of Natalie Merchant,
0: but dude, dude, I was the biggest 10,000 maniacs fan and I didn't like Natalie's, solo stuff as much, but man, that ten thousand maniacs unplugged that came out around this time. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Big I I think she needed the maniacs behind her. Yeah, she needed those nine thousand nine hundred
1: and ninety nine maniacs to back her up. Yes.
0: Absolutely.
2: Hey, so this Dishwalla song was in American Pie. Yeah, Dishwalla was on like uh, just doing a little bit of research was on all these like T V shows. It's like perfect for like, you know, when you're at C V S or something and it's it's on the the radio. I feel like some of those like ninety shows too would work well.
1: Yeah, this yeah. is a very CVS-type song. <laughs> yeah, Dishwalla, Dishwalla wrote a new song for the American Pie soundtrack. Thank goodness.
0: One thing I noticed is, so they put out an album in 2005, which here's something that's pretty interesting. The album 2005, which I, I skimmed through it. Sorry, Dishwalla. I didn't, really, I didn't really sit down with your 2005 self-titled album. But it had three producers. One of those producers being Ryan Green, who is responsible for over 40 different Fat Records albums, including Punk and Drublick. So wow. I thought, thought that was pretty interesting. He did a Dishwalla album. But also what I thought was interesting about that Dishwalla 2005 album is the front cover of it is basically the same as the Ween chocolate and cheese front cover minus the bottom of the woman's breasts. It's just like... <laughs> I mean, down to the pose and everything, it's like a woman's midsection, and I, I'm just like, wow, did these guys never see that very famous Ween <laughs> cover that, that every teenage boy looked at in, in the record store?
1: I've meant to ask you this for a while, but did you ever get into West Borland's like Ween-inspired side project when he quit Limp Bizkit, Big Dumb Face?
0: Sorry, didn't didn't follow Wes Borland's uh, post Limp Biscuit career. <laughs> yeah,
1: he he literally quit Limp Biscuit because he wanted to make music like Ween instead, and it's put out this cool. weird album of just like him speeding up his vocals to sound like chipmunks on certain tracks, and like some are like eight minute long like epic anthems, and then other ones are just like two minute stupid songs about like fighting a lion. Hi, this is Paul
0: Phelps. I'm not gonna lie here, I've become a factor fanatic lately. I'm a busy guy, and getting to eat restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat in two minutes has been amazing. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You have 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. I've been spreading the word to everyone I know, not just here on the podcast, but in person as well. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. You get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the math doesn't lie. Factor is less expensive than takeout. Plus... Considering every meal is dietitian approved, it's also nutritious and delicious. So what are you waiting for? Get started today by heading to factormeals.com/1hit50 and use the code 1hit50 to get 50% off. That's code 1hit50, the words one hit and the number 50 that is at factormeals.com/1hit50 to get 50% off. Hey, Matt, you know how Dishwalla wanted us to tell them all our thoughts on God? Yeah. Well, right now, I want you to tell me all your thoughts on balls.
1: What? Why?
0: Because this week's episode of One Hit Thunder is sponsored by Manscaped, who are the best when it comes to below-the-waist grooming for men.
1: That is true. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. In fact, Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right. The 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code CRAZYTOWN at manscape.com so come come my ladies over to manscape.com and use the code town
0: so you can butterfly your way over to their site and use that code crazytown to let them know that we sent you it's awesome that manscaped is sponsoring our podcast but also I legitimately think this is an awesome product. Like, if you're a man and you're listening to this, unless unless you're just a wild caveman or something, <laughs> this is an awesome thing to have. And you could get 20% off if you use the code crazytown.
1: Yeah, and I honestly, I didn't even know that my nether regions needed a separate razor until we got this sponsor.
0: And I didn't even know that you called it your nether regions until right now, but I think that's really cool, man. That's super cool. And this is a surefire way to make sure you don't need to use that razor you use on your face On your nether regions. You don't want to end up with pubes in your mouth, Matt.
1: That's true. Trust me. I've learned my
0: lesson. I assumed so. Well, don't waste a second more, man. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code crazytown at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code crazytown. So unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. And
1: now that we're done talking about trim balza, back to dishwalla. Oh my God. That was so dumb.
0: That was the worst segue I've ever heard, man. <laughs> I quit.
2: I quit the show. Did you guys check out the video for counting blue cars? Does it jar any memories? It's it's like the quintessential like middle nineteen nineties video. It's got these like crazy pan-ups and pan-downs that are just so simple, but they're kind of, like, like yes. dizzying. And it's got this—I hate to draw comparisons to, like, Soundgarden and Chris Cornell, but like his voice is very—at least to me—sounds very similar to Chris Cornell. And they have this, like, weird goldfish in a bag and this old man in this video that doesn't really make any sense. Like, a lot of the song doesn't make too much sense. It's just a little story. But the video is a little nuts.
1: It's got that oversaturated color. Like- like that mm-hmm. was a big like 95 thing yeah that
0: was so we <laughs> talked about that in episodes before yeah it's the exact definition of that 90s looking music video for sure mm-hmm. and another thing I-, I wanted to bring this up actually is I was watching some of their music videos because they came up I use Apple music to listen and so four music videos come across horizontally across the bottom and all four of the thumbnails for the music videos were close-ups of the singer's face with his shoulder-length 90s hair. And <laughs> I just thought it was funny that all four music videos were that same exact close-up <laughs> of this guy. They're really trying to sell the sexiness of this lead singer, I think. And
1: J.R. Richards, yeah. They're just really trying to push him out yeah, there. Yeah,
0: I mean, I... Could see some women in the 90s thinking
2: he was sexy, I guess. He's got the pipes. And so, yeah, he, Chris, you mentioned he left the band and then they came back with a new singer. Does, does that, can you think of like instances, I you know, there, there may be a couple. Can that ever like work in modern times? New singer. Van
1: Halen. Van Halen kind right. of pulled it off, but that's not necessarily modern, but like the only ones I can think of are like classic rock examples, like Van Halen and AC/DC, are mm-hmm. like, because like even like queen, they're not recording new music with Adam Lambert. You know what I mean? Like their journeys, not recording new music with their guy. Like, to actually just be like, we're going to bring in someone else to sing and we're going to just keep on trucking like he's always been the singer is usually a, a pretty ballsy move.
2: They re-recorded Counting Blue Cars with him. It's like, wow. hey, guys, I know that we broke up but uh, and we need a new singer, but we need some paychecks here. Wow. Somebody <laughs> needs to fucking sing Counting Blue Cars. So <laughs> who, who can sing Counting Blue Cars the best? Come join Dishwalla. Yeah,
0: I mean, I saw this in the notes, but I didn't know that. And I listened to their most recent thing and I would have never known. I would have never known it was a different guy. It's it's a guy with that same sort of voice. And for as good as that guy was and their new guy is, because he's basically the same guy as, as far as what I hear, it's still like that voice. It's just I've heard that voice so many times. It's not like it's some unique thing that no one else does. That's it's really my main issue with this band is like, rest in peace, the dude's a legend, but... I'm not a big Chris Cornell fan either. And I don't know the dude people love talking about how amazing of a singer he is. And definitely Chris Cornell, amazing singer. But the tone of his voice, the quality of his voice does nothing for me. I don't know what it is about that style of voice that I'm just not into.
1: Can we talk about what the song's about a little bit and the lyrics and how they represent it? Because the song is based around a conversation he had with his 10 year old neighbor Mm -hmm. So there was, you know, the little kid outside and he's having this conversation. He wrote a song about it. And I never really paid attention to the lyrics until I had to, like, type them up for the notes. But I like the motif in the first and second verse where he's explaining, like, what time of the day the conversation is taking place based on, like, little things. And, like, the first line, it must have been mid-afternoon. I could tell by how far the child's shadow stretched out. Like, that's, like, a really interesting way to, like, describe the time. And then later on, it's like... It must have been late afternoon. On our way, the sun broke free from the clouds. I, I like that there's this whole, like, it is kind of setting up this vibe of, like, I'm imagining that he's just sitting on, like, the front stoop of his house or whatever, maybe, like, smoking a cigarette, and there's this little inquisitive kid next door just asking him questions, and he's just having the conversation with the kid, and, like, time is just, like, passing by. Like, it was like, oh, it was the middle of the afternoon, but now it's, like, been two or three hours. I've just been chatting with this little inquisitive kid standing out front.
0: You know i'm looking at these lyrics and it actually kind of reads like poetry which is kind of cool must have been mid-afternoon i could tell by how far the child's shadow stretched out and he walked with a purpose in his sneakers down the street he had many questions like children often do he said tell me all your thoughts on god tell me am i very far that's actually pretty good lyrics but it does seem like a (laughs) it seems like a poem and it's actually pretty impressive that he was able to Make this sing-songy because it's not rhymey and it's it's it's, no. it's as if he wrote mm-hmm. this as like poetry. And then sang it. That's kind of impressive. I got to give him a little bonus point for that.
1: And I even like where the song title comes from because, like, I can imagine, like, even being a kid, because this came out, I was 10 years old. So it was the age of the kid that he's written this song about when it came out. Are you the kid? Yeah, it was me, actually. That's why I love talking to him. (laughs) You know, he says, like, we count (laughs) only blue cars and we skip the cracks in the street. And it's like, I remember being a kid and, like, still doing the, like, Purposely trying to like not step on cracks or like doing a game where you'll count like how many times you see like a dog walk by, like the little dumb things that like a 10 year old does. I will never hear
0: this song again without picturing the child being a 10 year old Matt Kelly. (laughs) That's how I will listen to this song from now
2: on. Skipping down the street.
0: Yeah, I mean, the one thing I will say is. Okay, this kind of reads to me like a Shel Silverstein poem or something. It, it really does. Minus, I can't imagine a young child saying to a, to an adult, tell me all your thoughts on God. <laughs> like, I just, I don't <laughs> see, that's, that's the disconnect for me. But I, I do think it's worth exploring the rest of these lyrics. I'll read them and we can talk about them for a second. It goes from where we left off. Must have been late afternoon. On our way, the sun broke free of the clouds. We count only blue cars, skip the cracks in the street and ask many questions like children often do. We said, tell me all your thoughts on God, cause I'd really like to meet her and ask her why we're who we are. Tell me all your thoughts on God, cause I'm on my way to see her. So tell me, am I very far? Am I very far now? It's getting cold, picked up the pace. How our shoes make hard noises in this place. Our clothes are stained, we pass many cross-eyed people and ask many questions like children often do.
1: It does seem like a like a where the sidewalk ends type poem. Yeah. <laughs> it really does. Another thing that like you do another show where they really break down like lyric by lyric and song structure, but I like that the first time you hear the chorus, it's literally just the first and last line of the chorus and that's all that they give you and then after the second verse you get the full version of the chorus. Mm-hmm. It's a very weird way to write a chorus.
0: <laughs> I just had a really Deep thought about these lyrics that's very strange. It seems to me, (laughs) if I were interpreting these lyrics, that maybe this man is writing this from the perspective of the child is himself.
1: He actually said that that's what it, like, after having that conversation, he put himself in those kids' shoes, so that's very (laughs) incitive.
0: Well, it seems like it's him walking with his younger self and doing the things like skipping the cracks, counting blue cars and asking this question to himself about God. And he says, cause I'm on my way to see her, meaning, look, I'm a grown man now. I'm Mm -hmm. walking with the child who I am. And yeah, we're all on our way to see God because we're all dying, (laughs) you know, like it it kind of seems like I'm making myself like this song a lot more. I was gonna say,
1: (laughs) How do you feel from when I told you, hey, Steve is coming on to talk about Dish Wally, I think you said, that'll be fun. That song's really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I'm thinking like you're actually being really won over I'm, from this conversation I'm of like, open-minded. there might be more layers to this. I'm
0: open minded <laughs> when we start diving into these songs. And I don't know if Steve thought about this song this way. But uh,
2: not as deeply for sure but I think when you do like the spoken word reading of the lyrics it is deeper than you think like it sounds like a stupid song that's on in CVS and of course it's got like you know they talk about I'm on my way to see her that's a big deal in the song but yeah I mean it's it, it's a little spiritual I could see that I'm drawing that connection now that you brought it up where he's talking to his younger self because it doesn't make sense for a little kid to say that he or she's on their way to see God a- am I very far now but for a grown man you know might be having these existential conversations with himself. Yeah, the song's gotten a lot deeper.
0: Yeah, and I don't mean to circle back to the first thing we talked about, but I'm thinking about this more too. How on earth could religious people not think of God as a woman? I mean, women are who carry us in their bodies And give birth to us, give life to us. Why would you think that the idiot men who are just bouncing around with their sperm, just, you know, whatever. How could you think (laughs) that that is, if you do believe in God, why wouldn't you think that it's a woman? That makes sense to me. I mean, yeah, you don't have to give a gender to this omnipotent God. You don't have to give a gender to it. But if you were to assign a gender... Why wouldn't it be a woman? It makes way more sense to me, just
2: logically. Yeah, but Chris, there are people that literally think that the world is flat, and I'm not talking about any sort of religion or anything like that. There's just so many people with so many stupid opinions.
1: You also have to remember that there are people who, like, one of the reasons why I don't mind working at the church that I work at is, like, because I have the conversations with the pastor that I do where it's like, okay, cool, he's one of those guys who understands that 95% of this is, like, parable and, like, stories to teach lessons. Right. Not one of those people that literally is like, yes, the world was definitely created in seven days. And there was absolutely this flood that yeah. happened for 40 days. And night. like, but there are people that are like, no, it is written in this book. So it is like the God honest truth. You know more way more about the Bible than me. I know. I barely know the basics. I told
0: my friends. I told my friends what I thought the story of Christmas was, and that's a whole other thing. I, I, I thought the three wise men were way more involved in all this stuff. Not important. But I can't imagine viewing it from a perspective of, oh, these are stories to teach me lessons about life that I should follow because they are good lessons that will help me live a fulfilling and enriching other people's lives and, and making my life better. That to me would make sense of why, like, Oh, I get religion. I get why it, it's nice. But to read it as fact,
1: that just seems insane to me. Like, what's the, aren't you missing the point? Well, and that's the thing that like causes such a weird thing for me mentally a lot of the time, because it's like, all right, if I read the story of Jesus and I, and I just take it as like, okay, there was this guy who basically fought against the church, fought against the government and stood up for people who were being mistreated because he felt that everyone should be like treated equally and shown love and like given a fair share and like fought against systematic racism. Then why the fuck are the churches, the biggest ones getting in the way of actual progress? Yeah. That's and that's where I'm always in this disconnect where I'm like do, like do you even read the shit that you are using to block good progressive decisions? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, that's
2: <laughs> We could go down that road. We could... Was the Bible a one-hit thunder? Or did did the second no, book?
1: I, I think there's two. There... There's two books, right? I don't know, man. Revelation kind of rips. <laughs> <laughs> so we get, we got to
0: decide if Dishwala brought the thunder or if it was a blunder. This is a tough one for me. I think that through this conversation, I think Dishwalla brings the thunder. I like this song more now. I can't get past that tone of voice. I don't think I'm going to put this song on and like jam out to it. But I think that I have a lot of respect for it, and I think I have respect for this band. I mean, they've put out a bunch of other albums. They've inexplicably didn't have another hit. It doesn't make sense to me, really. But I think they did the right things. It's not like they had this hit and were like, okay, we're all set. Let's stop making music. They kept making music. They put out an album in 2017, even. It's not like they stopped. I I don't have an explanation as to why they didn't have another hit but I'll give them the thunder on uh, right here so I don't know what do you guys think wow yeah
2: I would say they bring the thunder this this is not a blunder I think that they deserve this hit I think this song was I mean listen it has mainstay it's still on radio now I just told you guys Mm -hmm. that like well maybe CVS and Walgreens but also like Sirius XM 90s on 9 pop rocks I hear it all the time I think that if you put out a song even if it's a one hit wonder this is a good song and it brought the thunder. And going back and listening to other Dishwalla stuff, it's not bad. It's not—I don't have an example in my head, but uh, I'm sure you guys do. But it's not like everything else they did sucked. I think everything else was palatable. It was a nice vanilla ice cream cone. And I like vanilla. And uh, that's fine. Yeah,
0: I think to what Steve was saying, for me personally, I like that Charlie Brown's parents song more than this song. And a lot of times when we talk about a one-hit wonder, player baby come back, for example— It was like, yo, Baby Come Back is their best song, and that was their hit. Whereas with Dishwalla, at least for one song, and I mean, it's just my opinion, but I think, Matt, you might agree too, is that their biggest song wasn't even their best song. So that could be another uh, little little thing towards the thunder. I don't know. I don't think I have to convince you, Matt. No, I mean, they're
1: (laughs) thunder to me. I won't say that, like, not like Semisonic, where I owned every album by them, but like the first two Dishwalla albums I own, I think that they're very well done records. So like check out Pet Your Friends and You Think You Know What Life Is About. They're both really good albums. Like Charlie Brown's Parents is a great song. I think the song Feeder on Pet Your Friends, which was never released as a single, is a really weird, good song. Uh, like I said, Once in a While I think is the best single they actually ever put out. So what I can say is that we have a playlist on Spotify of deep cuts of bands that we've discussed. Oh. And it's called the one-hit Thunder Deep Cuts playlist. So go and find that and search for the Dishwala songs and, and give them a little bit of a spin. But I think that if you even kind of like the song Counting Blue Cars, but you've never heard anything else by Dishwala, it's worth at least checking it out. Hey,
0: Matt, Matt, can I give you an assignment? You need more work.
1: Yeah, please, assign no, me. No, but
0: I feel like you're going to like this. I think you should go... I mean, you could take your time. You don't have to do it all at once. But I think you should make a playlist that is... All the artists that we've covered, their worst song, just like you used to do as a child.
2: (laughs) I did that exercise once and it worked. Just a quick, I went to see brand new, the band brand new, and they were doing like all four of their albums, but I really liked their first two and I didn't like their second two and I didn't know which two I was going to see. So I listened to the second two for two months straight and I I dig them now.
1: Speaking of brand new and pop punk music, how about we talk about your podcast real quick before we sign off?
2: Sure, yeah. Um High School Never Ends Pop Punk Dad Podcast, myself and my co-host uh, Chris 183. You know, we we talk all things pop punk. So we interview some uh, legendary pop punk musicians sometimes like Mr. Chris Rafalios. Yeah, we talk on We talk to people <laughs> That's right. We talk to people in the podcast world like Matt Kelly. Um, Oh, that's me! That's you. (laughs) And then sometimes we take like uh, an hour and talk about like every single Good Charlotte album or every single all-time low album. So we discuss kind of all things pop punk. We have local guests, uh, people that are still making music now and uh, we're lighthearted. and we have fun. So uh, check us out. HSNepod.com like High School Never Ends. Hell
0: yeah. My takeaways before we leave, Steve, my takeaways are I'm going to think of a baby... Matt Kelly when I think of this song (laughs) I'm going to think of this song when I buy Contact Solution at CVS the lyrics of this song are actually pretty cool and God is a Woman.
2: I'm always going to remember you spoken word speaking all the lyrics that's how I'm going to hear the song going forward
1: But all my friends, they know you better I know
0: we all know the same excuse It does not make
1: it true This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Pafalios of the band's Punchline, Pack, and Another Cheetah and produced by Matt Kelly of the Geekscape Network. Underneath me, you're hearing Flashlight off the Punchline album 37 Everywhere. Visit punchline.com for merch and updates. If you have an interest in podcasting, visit podcasting.com for how Chris and I can help make your show sound as professional as possible. Let us know your thoughts on the show by emailing us at OneHitThunderPodcast at gmail.com and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. Tune in next week for another episode of One Hit Thunder. Hey, this is Chris Santos, host of Delirious Nomads, the Blacklight Media Podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Delirious Nomads is a podcast about all things heavy metal, as well as breakdowns of your favorite combat sports, and me being a chef and all, we'll be riffing on some food talk every week with very special guests from across the world. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.